Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. It's Teresa Morrison from the I Believe community, and thank you for joining us. I am absolutely head over heels today. Just so excited. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Teresa Morrison from the I Believe. Jenna Winston, and I'm so excited to have her on today. Uh, thank you for being with us, Jenna. Oh, I'm so excited. I love this. I love this. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Honored. I'm totally honored. Good. I'm so glad. So you have a ministry called Heartscaping. Tell me what that means. Okay. Well, it's so funny. The way that the name came about was I was, you know, talking with a friend one day and I was like, it's kind of like landscaping, but for your heart, because I get to the roots, you know, I'm a root girl. And all of a sudden I was like, heartscaping and it just kind of came from that so but it's I do um I still am doing one-on-one -on -one sessions even though I'm kind of transitioning out of it mm -hmm. um I've been doing more group sessions um I'm now going to be doing retreats where people can actually come and spend four days with me and go through kind of like a, a inner healing boot camp um and I also teach a lot on I te teach zoom classes on how to identify and cultivate your spiritual gifts and you know just other different topics it's a lot there's a lot in there that is so good i tried to look it up what it meant like you know is there a webster's dictionary oh yeah i couldn't find anything nope. so you've made it up <laughs> it was a random moment that i was like oh that's it that's awesome that's good so so for those of people that are in the i believe community and, and may not have heard of you, please tell people about who you are and, um, and, and who you are in the kingdom and what you do. Okay, so my name's Jenna Winston and I am someone who, when you have been redeemed and saved from so much, the desire and the hunger to bring other in, others into freedom, I, uh, you know, if you ever get bored, my documentary is on YouTube called Trauma to Truth, but I definitely had a childhood um, full of trauma, uh, rapes and molestations and, you know, my dad going to jail and just hardcore, really, really hardcore things. Um, and so I never knew life without trauma. And then I did the, wanted to escape home as young as I could. And so as a junior in high school, I wasn't even out of high school, um, wasn't even a senior yet. And I moved to another state, had my own apartment, um, going to high school. And then not long after met my husband. So met him at 18, got married at 19, had Anthony at 20 and Dominic at 21. And um, I made a pretty good run at trying to be, a, I always wanted to be a good person. Um, but all that stuff stayed stuffed inside, you know, I, I, my ability to function in a lot of pain, it's really unhealthy how good I was at it. Um, and then about the time that I turned 28, um, after a procedure, I discovered pain pills. Now at the moment, or at the time that this happened, I couldn't have articulated any of this, but through inner healing, um, and going back, uh, I remember, and it's so clear. And I always like to share this because I feel like a lot of people that have struggled with that, if you can find this moment, it's, it's powerful to break it. But I remember um, it was at a time where I was suspecting my husband for infidelity. Actually, I knew he was cheating. I just couldn't catch him. And it was one of those, I became that psychotic chick that was hitting redial on the phone, becoming friends with all the women he worked with, that whole keep your friends close and your enemies closer mentality. Yeah. And, you know, following him and just making myself crazy. Um, also financially, just really, really going under. And also my parents um, and my abuser moved to the same town. And I was just like this bucket of anxiety all the time and a mess and snapping and yelling at my kids and stuff. They were at the time they were like, you know, eight and uh, six. And I, this is how naive I was to pain pills. So naive. I used to pray and ask the Lord for that naivety back. I kind of thought that it was just something like a, a Tylenol that made you drowsy. I really didn't know anything about it. I'd never had an addict in my life. I had a couple aunts that struggled with alcohol, but I really never had any of that in my sphere. And um, 
this one day I had taken my Percocet and realized, oh, wow, I took it 20 minutes ago. And I was so scared that I was going to overdose that I even called poison control. And they even joked with me, nope, you're probably just going to feel really good for a while, you know? And about 20 minutes later, I just remember this feeling coming over me. And all of a sudden, instead of yelling at my kids, I became this, no, honey, that's not okay behavior. We're not going to act that way. And uh, all of a sudden I could handle everything. My anxiety went away. My heart pain went away. I feel like I could all these things. And I remember consciously thinking, and this is the lie I partnered with. I consciously said to myself, I'm a better person on this medication. Mm. Next thing you know, 10 years go by, lost homes, lost cars. The last three years I was on the streets and I would hit withdrawal so bad. I would literally go get my teeth pulled because they would have to give me pain pills if they pulled the tooth. And I only had five, te- or six, five teeth left on top when I went into recovery. Um, and it was, it was hardcore. Like, and I mean, to the point where like dragging my kids in the middle of the night into ERs, making them lie to get it. Like, it was just really twisted. And I, my moral compass was gone. Everything was gone. I just had really given up. And, uh, and all of this pain was still stuffed inside. Well, yesterday, was it yesterday? What's today? The No, not yesterday. It was a couple of days ago was uh, the 10 year anniversary of when I entered recovery. And so this last August 25th was the 10 year anniversary of my suicide attempt. And I remember the last 10 days before my suicide attempt, literally thinking to myself, every breath that I breathe is taking away from someone more deserving. And I really believed that. And, you know, I'd done a couple attention suicide attempts before, but this was, this was real. And they pumped 87 Oxycontin out of my stomach. And I remember being livid at Jason for calling the police and, or calling whoever, and being livid that I was alive. And about 2.30 in the morning, um, the most beautiful nurse walks in my room. And I remember her looking this way and that way and closing the door behind her. And, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty ghetto fabulous at the time. And (laughs) I, I remember thinking this chick's going to shank me, you know, and she instead says to me, I could lose my job and I'm not supposed to do this, but God's been telling me for two hours to come in and tell you that he loves you. And if you look up, he's going to pull you out of this. Now, mind you, it wasn't like I was once this amazing Jenna and lost her. I never knew anything but pain. And it just kept going down, down, down. And I literally leaned in and I looked at her and I said, F God. And even though that's what came out of my mouth, I now know about things being released in the spirit and now know that she had been saved from so many things that I needed. And she, I I couldn't have articulated it at the time, but I now, I know her, she's still in my life, you know? Um, And in that moment, something shattered inside of me. I don't even know. It was so supernatural. And something broke and I just started weeping, probably the deepest soul cry I've ever cried in my life. And it was like my mouth opened up and my life fell out. And I just started saying all these things that had happened. And um, through, I ended up back in the psych ward again. Oh, that's the other thing is that I had been in the psych ward 19 times in over a 10 year period. I'd been on enough psych meds to kill a horse for over 15 years. And I also tell people that hear this testimony, do not just start taking your psych meds, stop taking your meds. If you're on meds, God works through them as well. Just because what my journey with him, I don't, I don't ever want people to just do that. Um, But I ended up back in the psych ward. They upped my meds again. Um, And when I got out, I had nowhere to go except for back to my parents where it all started and I just couldn't cut it. And then I remember opening a twilight book (laughs) and I said, right before I opened it, I said the words out loud, I'm going to die old and alone in an addict. There's no hope for me. I'm unfixable. And I really believed that. And um, when I opened that book, that woman's business card was my bookmark. And that book had, this was two different states. 
that rec that hospital visit was in Oregon. My parents lived in Washington. I did not have that book with me. I I it was so supernatural that that happened. And I just said, okay, God. And I went over and I called her. And within a couple hours, I was on a train going back to Oregon. And through the most supernatural chain of events, because there's so much to this story, how God did it. But I landed in um, faith-based recovery in Kelso, Washington, which little sidebar here. It's crazy because my mom had gotten pregnant out of wedlock and my grandparents forced her to have an abortion. And she did. But then a couple months later, found out she was still pregnant with me and they were going to have her finish it because there was obviously twins. They were going to have her finish it. But my uncle Harry and Aunt Sally actually kidnapped my mom and took her to Kelso, Washington. And <laughs> Kelso, Washington is the city of refuge. And I didn't know that. And that's where my mom hid out to have me. And then I ended up back in recovery um, in Kelso, Washington for a year on a mountain, basically no phone, no computer, no nothing, a Bible and a notebook, um, for a year and, um, had this crazy encounter with Jesus. Um, at that point I had been diagnosed schizophrenic, bipolar, PTSD, manic, um, and, and depression in itself, anxiety in itself. And, I had come, I'd gone directly from detox into the recovery program. And um, I was totally fine with giving up the drugs, but you weren't allowed to be on psych meds in this program. And I smuggled in a four month supply of my psych meds. <laughs> and the next morning, I got there on a Saturday night and early Sunday morning, I sat on the edge of my bed with all of these bottles because I lied. I, the guilt of lying and smuggling in was killing me. And um, so I dumped them all out or I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Jesus, I am done picking and choosing what parts of me you can have. It's all or nothing. And I dumped them out and I took them back. I took the bottles over to the main house and they showed me grace. They call it showed you grace. <laughs> and um, when they started to read the bottles, they were really concerned. They're like, you cannot just stop taking this. Like, like a normal dose of Depakote 600 milligrams. I was on 2000. Like it was absurd how much I was on. And they're like, you're going to, we got to get you to the hospital. And I said, nope, I'm done. And I did. I felt God all over it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was my moment of surrender because I didn't have one withdrawal, not one. Um, the only thing that happened was it took about two weeks for me to get my natural emotions back. And um, I ended up having this crazy encounter with Jesus that changed everything. And it's so important because I feel like this moment really changes. We don't realize how we've been raised. We all see Jesus in this different light. And what had happened was I had actually had what I now know to be a natural deliverance. And to me, it just felt like I got connected to all this anger and rage. And I remember screaming over and over at the top of my lungs to the point where I was shaking. I literally could feel like I was pushing something out. And after, and, and for a couple hours, I mean, it was like an hour and a half. And when I was done and I felt it break, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically exhausted. Like I didn't have anything left in me. And I fell out on my bed in recovery. And Jesus went and crawled in that bed with me. I could feel him and he could play with my hair. And in that moment, I realized I had been, I saw Jesus as someone who was sent to gently remind me of the things that I needed to work on so that I wouldn't go to hell. And I could not deal with how much sin I'd done. I couldn't deal. I couldn't handle. I was stuck on what I had done, how much I'd hurt my kids. I'd lied and stole and manipulated everybody I knew. Um, and that's not what he did. Yeah. Instead, he said, I am so sorry for the things that happened to you that made you not want to feel. And if you trust me, I'm going to make every day of the rest of your life better than any day you've ever lived. And that's exactly what he's done. Exactly what he's done. And um, I mean, I honestly could have died four years ago and would have already lived bigger than any dream I ever had for myself. And 
um, in that moment, there was an exchange between him and I, and I realized that what I expected and what happened were so different that I literally consciously had this thought of just because I was taught by my parents and just because I was taught by church, just because I was taught by society doesn't mean that it's right. And I wanted to find out who God was for myself. And I also did not realize that I was in this, I feel like I was really protected by God because I was unaware that I was literally a girl that discovered relationship in a world of fear-based religion, because it was very much a fear and scare you into obedience type of a place. And had you, had you gone to church as a, as a young girl or no? Yes. Um, I knew church, but I didn't know God. And what I knew, uh, I grew up in the assemblies. Uh, but you also got to realize that like the same hands that were taking everything from me were the same hands that were teaching me about God. And even though all these sick, twisted things were going on at home, you know, we had money, we lived in the suburbs. Uh, we went to church, we had Bible studies at our house and, but you peel back that top layer and it was just horrific. And, um, and then I also, when I left and I went to that, when I turned 18 and I moved to another state, I moved to a place where I had an aunt and uncle that were the only Christians that I knew. And I wanted to go to church. Um, and I needed to get out of what, where I couldn't be at my parents' house anymore. And I started to go to church. And even though I was 18, they let me go into the youth group and I, they became my best friends and the youth pastors, um, they were a married couple and with two daughters and just loved them. And it was the first time that I started to trust someone to open up and maybe start to get a little bit of counseling. Yeah. Um, but then I walked in on him sleeping with a young girl in our youth group. And when I told, because people knew my past, when I told, um, I got called the liar that I was making it up. Um, and I got really shunned by the church. So I super shut down. Um, and then it came out later when she ended up pregnant, all the truth came out. And then when people came and apologized to me for the horrific mean things they had said, um, I was already burnt. I didn't care. I was already so bitter. And so, um, like I said, I did Sunday school. I, I did all the things I went to Christian, uh, fourth grade. I went to Christian school, um, you know, did all my memory verses, did all the things, but I didn't know him at all. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. And so then, and I feel like this is this part and then, and then I'll, I feel like I'm, I just went on a tangent, but I feel like this next part's really important for people. Um, and what's funny is I shared this in one of my first podcasts and I was expecting for a lot of blowback and bad response, but it's not, it's actually the one thing that really sets people free. Mm -hmm. um, also, I didn't know that God was funny. I didn't know that Jesus was funny. I didn't know that there was a Jesus that wasn't this stoic, mm -hmm. you know, intense guy and that he will talk to us how we're willing to receive. And um, after that encounter, um, I had never had an open vision and I had, I have them all the time now, but I hadn't had one ever. And I was sitting in a circle with the four, you know, 30 chicks in a Bible study. And even though my eyes were open and I was present with where I was, um, all of a sudden I'm in the swimming pool. I'm in this total swimming pool. Have you heard the story? Teresa? Oh my gosh. Okay. No, no. You're going to want to stop me, but then <laughs> hold on. Okay. Because it gets somewhere really powerful. <laughs> You're good. Um, all of a sudden I'm in the swimming pool full of butts, like, like booties, like they're plopping up to the, I can hear the sound effects of them going boom, <laughs> and the swimming pool is full of butts. And I'm just like, this is demonic. This is demonic. And I look up on the side of the pool and I still very much saw Jesus in white robes at that time. Mm -hmm. And he's standing there all kind of gangster. And he goes, you like that? And I'm like, this is not God. This is demonic. This is demonic. And, but then I felt this tenderness, his mm -hmm. spirit shifted towards me and this tenderness hit me like a wave. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jenna, 
every day I stand here and I am your biggest cheerleader for you to let go of the guilt, for you to let go of the shame, for you to receive my forgiveness. And, but every day you come back at me with, but I did this, but I stole my kid's Xbox and pawned it for drugs, but I still owe Uncle Greg this. I, yeah, but I had my kids living in a storage unit because I spent the money on drugs. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. He goes, I wanted to give you a picture of the butts <laughs> you're choosing to keep yourself in. And I was like, oh, that's clever, Jesus. And he says, when you get out, it's done once and for all. Everything you've ever done or anything that's ever happened, it's done. None of it is around anymore. Do you know that I sat there for 20 more minutes? I realized I was comfortable in my butts. I realized that if I kept my butts, that nobody would believe in me and that I couldn't let anybody down. If I kept myself, in a bad place, then I couldn't hurt anybody. Wow. And all of a sudden Jesus says to me, actually, Jenna, you know the power of my forgiveness and you're actually personally ready to receive it. But you believe the lie that if the people you hurt don't see you suffering, they won't believe you're sorry. Wow. And I was like, I totally believed that, that it wasn't okay because I had hurt them. It wasn't okay for me to go on and have this amazing life. And if all of a sudden I was happy, they weren't going to believe that I was sorry. And he said, you've taken on the responsibility to do my job. He goes, I want you to face me face to face and I will turn the hearts of men. And it was hard, but I did that. And over the next couple of years, every single one of those people has come back to me. And what I believed everyone hated me, it wasn't. They were just tired of me and burnt and they couldn't watch me kill myself anymore. And so... The next big thing was realizing all of the psychiatric diagnoses that I had um, as the Lord healed my heart, every behavior I had that got me diagnosed went away. Like if you run my med, you don't get those removed. Re I mean, as of right now, if you run my medical records, that's what I am. But the fact is, is that I was a crazy high functioning seer and a naked eye seer. And so because of the rapes and traumas from a very young age, I had so many strongholds that I was tormented through my own giftings. Wow. And so I was so aware of the demonic realm and so aware of darkness. Um, the idea that I was actually supposed to understand it and bring people into freedom and that I prophetically got downloads that brought people into freedom that got rid of their, their strongholds to stop demonic torment was wow. never on my grid. I was just trying to survive. But as God, I never went after fixing those behaviors. It was as he healed my heart, they went away on their own. Mm. So there's my big old answer on who is Jenna. Jenna is a girl that grew up in hell, who got redeemed, who is now living in the fullness of God. Do we ever arrive? I don't think so. But once you learn, it's about the journey, not the end goal. Yeah. Um, but now I guarantee you when I was first in recovery, my thoughts weren't, oh, I'm going to go move to Beverly Hills and I'm going to counsel celebrities and officials. No, I was so happy they were letting me keep my food stamps and I got regular top ramen, you know, but when yeah. we don't have a plan, but we just yeah. say yes to him, it's always going to be way, way, way bigger than we plan for ourselves ever. But that's what I do now is I have heartscaping. I live in Beverly Hills, which still blows my mind, but this is where God has me planted and the community he has me touching. And um, I guarantee that this old broken Jenna would have never had anything like this on her grid. That is just such an amazing story. And, and for those that are in the community right now that have family members, that have children, that have a husband, that have fill in the blank, that are on drugs and hearing voices and have you know just out there what is your word to them what is what is your encouragement to them i love when i get asked this because when i went into recovery my boys were done with me they were done they had been burnt they'd been lied to i would make them get meds and i would steal them like my boys were done and i get it yeah and what's so crazy we're so close now our relationships are so beautiful but at the time, my kids were ha couch hopping on their own drugs. They were dealing with cocaine at the time and hallucinogenics. 
and like I said, couch hopping, homeless, um, all the things. And I, I ended up going to ministry school nine months out after recovery. And during that my nine month time, I was constantly trying to minister to them because now I knew Jesus. I knew I was changed and I knew the way out. And so I was going to bring them, right? Well, the idea that they didn't trust me and that they didn't want to hear one thing I had to say and that mom was just on a Jesus bandwagon and it wasn't going to be long before she was lying conniving again, but I just kept pushing. And then three months before I knew I was moving, but I hadn't, I had three months before I was going to be gone. And God says to me, Jenna, give me your voice. I said, Jesus, I give you my voice. The next day, Jenna, give me your voice. I give you my voice. The next day, give me your voice. I give you my voice. And this went on every single day about the same time of day for three months. Well, then about 10 days before I'm supposed to move to Reading, um, he says to me, Jenna, and mind you, I would go through prophetic acts in my head of carrying my children to the altar and laying them down. And I would give them, give them to him every single day. And finally, about 10 days before I'm going to move, he says, give me your voice. I said, what the hell does that look like? Like, what do you mean? I do. I give them to you every day. Okay. I want every single person to listen to this. He said to me, Jenna, your faith in me is unshakable, but your faith that your boys will listen to me is non-existent. And you're trying to fill in the gap. Wow. And then he says, do you not think that I have 350 billion other people on the planet that I could send to heal your boys? And in that moment, God didn't say this to me, but in that moment, I realized how much me and my ex-husband were actually the root of their pain. And how would I be if like, let's say my dad wanted to be the one to minister to me after everything yeah. happened. Right. But, and that's not the case with everyone. I get that. But I realized in that moment, I did, I totally trust God, knew what God's capable of. But I would think about my oldest, knowing that he would never pray or listen to worship music, or I had my belief systems on whether my boys would listen or not. And he says, I got you, didn't I? And I'm like, oh, God got me out of a filthy basement slamming dope. I'm like, if he can get me, he can get anybody. He goes, I need you to get out of the way. And I'm like, okay, God, you need to show me what that looks like. Mm -hmm. He said, first stop guilt parenting. Cause I was just constantly giving them money because I was trying, like, I didn't have the right to tell them no, because I'd hurt them so much. And I was trying to constantly make up and prove that I was sorry. And he goes, you've asked for forgiveness. They've released it. If they choose not to, that's their problem. And they'll work that out with me. He goes, stop trying to make up for it. Continue to stand on who you are. And it might get worse before it gets better. And so I did. I stopped um, reaching out and calling them every day. And, and after a couple of weeks, they called me, you know, and, and the phone calls were spaced far apart. I remember the first time that they asked me for money and I said, no, killed me. Yeah. Um, but I was staying obedient, even though I had no grid how it was going to work out. And then about four months into uh, my first year of ministry school, I get this phone call at like three in the morning and it's my oldest and he's bawling. And what does he say? Mom, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. Mom, would you pray with me? That's amazing. And then about a week later, another middle of the night phone call and it was my youngest and they had been talking so much. And my youngest one said, mom, I want what Anthony has. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me, mom? And, and God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And I realized that I was trying to show them God, introduce them to God. The idea that in that moment, I realized that I was seeing that if God helped them and saved them, it was for me. And God was like, no, they have their own story. I want them for me. And he's like, Jenna, me getting your boys isn't for you. I mean, it is for you, but it's not for you. It's because I want them. And the idea that my boys could have their own testimony like me and have their own story with God like me, and that it didn't have to involve me. Yeah. 
was a wake up call. And so I literally learned how to let go. I had, it was hard and I had to let the Lord do it. And sometimes it does get worse before it gets better because how often did we get saved because we came to a breaking point? That's true. You know, that's true. So one of the things, if this resonates with anybody watching, Mm -hmm. the most powerful prayer you can say is God, I repent. I repent because I do have full faith in you, but I haven't believed that whoever Mm -hmm. is going to listen. And so I've tried to fill in the gap. So Lord, I repent for that. And I completely release them to you and show me any areas where I'm carrying emotional or spiritual responsibility that doesn't belong to me. And also in the areas that I need to have healthy boundaries, give me the strength to do that. Because a lot of times, especially with people that are on drugs, we allow ourselves to be so manipulated because we don't want to hurt. We don't want to hurt people. And we don't feel like we have the right to tell them no. And so being able to actually separate and lead them to their own story with God is so important. That's really good to just take your hands off of it and and not try to try to be God, you know, because God works from the inside of the heart and just starts to massage it. And unlike no other outside voice, God gets in there from the inside and churn that heart, you know, and, um, and it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. And, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you because some of the listeners may not know exactly what the term deliverance is. Maybe they've been to church and and uh, although, you know, we read it in the Psalms when, when David writes and sings Psalm 18, uh, we read it. But can you just explain what the term deliverance, because you are a deliverance, you know, minister, a pastor. And, and uh, yes, that's a little bit about that. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I didn't know that there was a name for what I did. It used to always be that thing you do. And I remember the day that Donna Da Silva had me come in um, and she said, we haven't hired anybody in eight years, but the Lord gave me a dream and we want to hire you. And my first response was, but I don't do Sozo. There's nothing wrong with Sozo. I thought I wasn't good enough. You know, we always filter through not good enough. And she says, why would you need to? You have a cheat sheet. She goes, you do prophetic deliverance. And that was the first time I had a name for what I did. And this was at Bethel. Yeah, this was at Bethel. Yeah. And um, right after graduated second year, I went on staff at the Transformation Center. And I'm so thankful because God really, she told me, she said, God gave her a dream and he was going to launch me from there, which is exactly what happened. Um, But my life's message and my passion is to change what people think when they hear the word deliverance, because it's usually associated with um, exorcism and head spinning and vomit and people manifesting and all of that. Um, Yes, I do do deliverance, but I, I do it very differently. And I want to change the way the world does it because I go back to perfect love casts out fear. And the thing is, is you can cast demons out of somebody all day long. We all have that power and authority. Like you can, But if you don't get rid of the stronghold that has them have permission and legal ground to be there, they're just going to come back. And so what prophetic deliverance is, and it took me a while, it took a lot of time, I didn't understand, but um, when I was in recovery, um, I started to see demons all over people. And and I I didn't know that that wasn't normal. I think I just thought that that was par for what I, you know, I was in faith-based recovery. I just thought that, and I realized that there's a part of me that I didn't see it with the naked eye yet, but I was always aware of things ever since I was a little girl. Um, but now I see like there demons, spirits, angels, all that stuff is as I see them, like with my eyes, like, like they're as real for me as you are. And, and I, and I could tell that I like, uh, knew their names and I would sit and I was able to tell what they were saying to a person, what was the lie that they were believing and what behavior was coming from that lie that they were partnered with. Now, did I have the articulation for this at the time? Oh no, uh-uh. I just had like an understanding. But as the Lord started to put me in positions where I'm helping people, um, I would get these pictures, you know? And so if you think about the way Sean has a gift of knowledge or word of knowledge, um, 
where he can say, okay, here's your address, here's your phone number, yeah. da, 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 right? Okay, well, I have very much a similar gift, but mine, instead of what's to come, mine goes, I prophetically see where your first partnership was. So, um, so like, for instance, the very first time that I really remember it coming out like that, because I would hide me so much, Mm -hmm. Um, and I would try to control it. And I always thought I freaked people out, but the Lord, I was on a ministry trip and the Lord said to me, um, you're going to see, I woke up in the morning. He said, you're going to see somebody in a blue shirt with a, a, a leather pouch. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? He's like, I'll let you know. Well, I heard him so clearly. I told my revival pastor, I told people in my group with me. And, and when I hear God that clearly, I have no problem saying it before it happens. Cause I know yeah. and it raises faith when people see it happen. Right. <laughs> So now we're down on Venice beach and I walk out with a friend of mine named Doug Anderson, which is funny because I haven't heard from him forever. And he emailed me yesterday and Doug walks up to this woman selling purses on Venice beach and says, your name is this. You have two daughters named this and this. And one of your daughters is really sick. And I'm going to pray with you right now. Da, 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 da. Well, most people are like, Oh, that's amazing. And my thoughts were, well, I get thoughts like that, but that is not how I deliver them. <laughs> and I go to, I go to the bathroom. Now going to the bathrooms on Venice beach is not fun for a naked eye seer, <laughs> but I had this moment with God, a very raw, vulnerable moment. And I said, Jesus, I repent. And I ask your forgiveness because I have been molding and shaping my words based on how I think someone will receive it because of protecting myself, of not wanting to freak people out, of not, you know, all out of fear of rejection, you know? And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to open up my mouth and let you come out. And I'm just going to trust whatever you say. And I'm also okay if I make a mistake. I, I know it's, you know, whatever. So anyways, about an hour or two after this moment, um, all of a sudden I'm praying with someone and a couple of the girls and my revival pastor are like, Jenna, Jenna, Jenna. And I look and there's this couple walking towards us and a guy behind them that had a video camera up to his eye. And he was wearing um, a blue t-shirt and it had this like Indian pouch with a, or a necklace with this Indian pouch on it. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I just had this repentance with the Lord and I, it came out like an Uzi, like it came out like an accusation instead of a word. I literally go, it's you. God told me that I was going to see somebody in a blue t-shirt with a leather pouch. And the Lord showed me that when you were seven years old, you went to an amusement park and you went in the haunted house and you weren't afraid of what you saw in the haunted house. You were afraid of what you saw in the man that took your tickets. And in that moment, you partner with the spirit of fear. And I've been, you've been tormented through it ever since. And I break it off you right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I was in shock and this man drops to his knees weeping <gasps> weeping because he knew exactly what I was talking about wow he knew the exact moment and he had been so tormented so tormented wow. at night because mm -hmm. he was a crazy seer like me and he'd been wow. and, and he just was partnered with this fear because he saw demons on a man when he was you know, this little kid. And so here his whole life got rocked, but mine too, because I'm like, what the heck just happened? You know, and in that moment, I realized that I watched in the spirit as I was seeing that over him, it was very much what I felt happened to me with uh, Pastor Rachel in the psych ward and released something over him that set him free in a moment because God had set me free. Therefore I have that authority. I mean, well, we all have authority, but there is something about when you've been set free from something, um, being able to release that. And this man still follows me on Facebook. He's still free to this day. Um, and that's deliverance. Yeah. That is so yes, sorry. Amazing. So with that is what I learned how to be able to see where people made their first partnerships to be able to break that and bring the truth of Jesus on how it was originally supposed to be. And with that, yeah. the demons can't bring torment anymore. So fact is deliverance is getting rid of the demonic. It's just the way that I do. It's very different. Mine's based on 
any area where the demonic has a, a permission is just an area that needs more of perfect love casts out fear. And so I help people get to that area of love. Therefore, the enemy doesn't have to exist anymore. So in your set, that's an amazing story. Oh my Sorry, God. That was a lot. <laughs> no, that was so good. So in your sessions, when you're sitting with someone, Jesus shows you the root of what they're dealing with yep. because the other things are just manifestations of behavior. Their behavior. Yeah, so you go after the root. I have people all the time, like weekly, all the time, come in and they're beating themselves up because of porn or eating or uh, gambling or alcohol or sex, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. We're not, a session with me is not about learning how to manage your behaviors. I want to get behind the root on why you have them in the first place because there was once a child that wasn't exposed to those things right and what happened in your life that got you into where you're self-protecting and resorting to something else because any place where you're addicted to something or have this kind of behavior is an area that needs attention and so how do we get that in a healthy way versus a negative way and then the behaviors fall off on their own that's so amazing i i've never met anyone in my life who does that? I've never heard of anyone really going after the root of something. They always go after the behavior yep. and try to pat that down and pray on that and bind and loose that, but not mm-hmm. so much the root right. of why those behaviors are taking place. So do you do not only uh, sessions in person, but you do Zoom sessions as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do group sessions as well, because there are so many things that are just common, normal things that everybody believes. How yeah. many of us believe I'm not good enough? Other people don't like me or or the, the big one is I tell people all the time, deep down inside, you actually know that you're powerful deep down inside. You actually don't question God's truth, but you're waiting for the world around you to mm-hmm. see what you carry and somehow give you permission for what God has already ordained. And it's all yeah. based on the fear of man. And when we wait for the world around us to give us permission to be us, we have them before God. Yeah. When we're molding and shaping who we are around man, then we have them before God. And so being able to get those things aligned properly. And, you know, I love when you said binding. Um, I'm also a huge believer in people get stuck in the first part of that scripture. It's what's bound on earth, loose in heaven. I, everybody gets stuck binding. They, there's this subconscious belief system that if I can get rid of this, 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 and this, if I can stop doing this, 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 and this, if I read my Bible more, and if I do this, 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 and this, then I can be close to God. Yeah. Well, so we're all constantly binding, 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 which I refer to it as it's basically making out with Satan, trying to get close to God, because all you're doing is obsessing with what's wrong. Right. But loose from heaven you know, people always talk about all the favor and the acceleration on my life. Well, it's not like I just sit here and don't go for it. <laughs> Every single day I say, Jesus, I partner my spirit with the throne room of heaven and I loose into my own life, the oil of joy, the garment of praise, the spirit of thanksgiving, favor, abundance, truth, all the fruits of the spirit, liberty from all bondages, um, perfect health, uh, confidence, the ability to hear people's hearts, um, connection, any good thing that is allowed in heaven, we're allowed to bring into our own lives. And so what does it look like to pull down from heaven? I mean, in Colossians, it talks about that inheritance that belongs to us. How do we pull that down, you know? And so really wanting people to go after the second half, don't just get stuck in the first half of that scripture. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I've walked into churches and, and houses and places and I'm a real feeler. So I feel stuff. And then I realized it took me a while, but I realized this is a word of knowledge from the Lord, what's going mm-hmm. on in the atmosphere. So under my breath, I'm just speaking the opposite. So loosing, you know, loosing, yep. you know, not so much the binding, but the loose right. just, you know, as it is, you know, and most heaven. Yeah. Most feelers are overwhelmed and don't realize that they're enduring their gift instead of walking in the authority of their gift, which is beautiful that you say that because I love your awareness of it. Um, I teach a lot about identifying and cultivating your spiritual gifts. And a lot of people will say, like, I'll have a group of like, you know, 20 people. 
Yeah. And I was like, how many of you know you're a feeler? And a lot of people don't realize. And so I'll say, I bet you hate going into Walmart. <laughs> um, and I'll lay out a couple examples, you know, like when you're a little kid, I bet if you think about all the little houses that you went to of your little friends, each one felt different. You could feel, you know, you, anyways, I do the example. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody feels a different level. Some people feel person to person. Some people feel home to home, block to block, city to city, wow. state to state. But whatever you feel, whatever your sphere is, you already have authority over it. You already, and your faith is your key. Mm -hmm. And, but the people that are enduring it, I teach them this prayer and it changes their life. I, people always tell me, I feel like you handed me the key to my life. And it's this, in the name of Jesus Christ, I break partnership with the atmosphere. I ask that what belongs to the atmosphere goes back to the atmosphere. What belongs to me gets returned to me completely cleansed by you, Jesus. And Jesus, I choose to only be aware of you in my atmosphere. And when I used to teach in Reading, I would send like boot camp. I would send my feelers to Walmart because you can learn how to stay tapped into his peace because a lot of people come under the confusion and the crazy, you know? And, but as you drive through different sections of town, they all feel different. And it doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. It's how they feel. And so when you can break partnerships, with the atmosphere, you start to really learn what's you and what's yeah. not you. Because a lot of people just take it on as their own and don't understand why they just get waves of yeah. sadness or joy, you know, for no reason. Yeah. And yeah. so it's powerful prayer. It is. It is. Especially, you know, like when you pray for people and you feel what they're, you feel sorrow or you feel whatever it is, fill in yeah. the blank. And then you speak the opposite. And a lot of people don't realize when they're, you know, part of a prayer ministry or part of their church ministry. And a lot of feelers don't realize that God has given them a word of knowledge. Yep. You know, to speak Absolutely. So powerful. So powerful. Yep. Um, that in the opposite spirit is so powerful. I tell people uh, all the time, if yeah. you're struggling with, or whether it's you or someone else, if it's sexual distortion, loose purity. If it's anxiety, loose peace. If it's anger and rage, loose love. You know, whatever that is, loose, you know, loosing the opposite. I love that you said that. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, my prayer with the Lord is to, you know, always be pure in heart and see as he sees because, you know, it's, it, you know, walking in the opposite spirit it's, it's not always easy or flipping conversations into something, but it's a lot of work, you know, it's, right. it's it is, it is for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So why do some experience demonic oppression? Um, and some people, some people don't, is it gifting? Have they opened doors? Why do we, why do we find that? One of the biggest, um, lies that I like to break off is now can we have opened doors in the past and not known it or or something's happened to us that has opened that door and it's almost like um when I break off and renounce uh generational curses I always say whether spoken over um attached to sin and it doesn't necessarily mean your sin it could be a sin that was done against you mm -hmm. or learned behavior you know um a lot of it we are all we all have spiritual gifts. We all have them. Everybody has them. And um, some have been shut down when we were little, but they can be turned back on. Um, some of them due to self-protection, we've, you know, turned them off and, but they can be turned back on. Um, but also when you're crazy sensitive, gifted in a way to be sensitive to the spirit, Mm -hmm. um, when you have had hurts or pains or rejections or partnered with lies, um, it's then the enemy can torment you through that sensitivity. So like, for instance, when the Lord showed me one of my roots, it was, I was so aware of things in my room when I was a kid, I dealt with nightmares and night torments all the time. And the Lord showed me this moment and I fully remember it to this day where I'd had this dream and I won't even repeat what was in the dream, but I woke up going <gasps> and feeling like something was covering my mouth like this. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I totally, you know, I have people go back in their memories all the time and it's like, okay, what were you feeling and what were you believing? 
Well, even though you knew how it played out at that, at that, as that little kid, you're thinking I'm alone, I'm unprotected. Nobody cares what I'm going through. Nobody believes me. Cause how many parents just say, okay, stop being a drama queen and go to bed, you know, um, that they can hurt me, that I'm going to die, you know? And as, and as soon as that child partners with that, that's a partnership with fear. And so that partnership with fear is what, whatever your giftings are, is what allows, that's the stronghold that allows the enemy to come in. Mm -hmm. And so the fact is, is I guarantee you, if you are a feeler and a seer at that level, the enemy does not want you free because they fear you. So they're going to hit you with everything at a young age to keep you from walking in the authority of that gift, but the authority already belongs to you. And so if this is resonating with you, and you are someone that has dealt with night torments or, or feel like your gifting has been used against you or you're enduring it, one of the most powerful things you can say is, Jesus, I fully give you my spiritual gifts, Lord. I ask that you would close every door that the enemy has had access to, that you would completely cleanse it and remove every single distortion, and that you would restore it back to me completely aligned with heaven in Jesus name. And also, um, if you did open doors back then, you know, a lot of people have been redeemed from, you know, different things they used to do. Once you have closed those doors, they're closed. And so what ends up happening is, you know, sometimes we go through seasons where God feels more distance, distant. Mm -hmm. And, And we will have, we'll think, okay, well, where did I step out of his blessing? I need to do everything to get back into it. What what door did I open? Blah, 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 blah. Uh But the fact is, is that often he's just growing us closer in intimacy because when we can't hear him as clearly, if we still choose to believe him based on his character, then we trust him, right? But, or if we go into an anxiety attack or a panic attack, or we feel like we're sensing the demonic, Mm -hmm. we blame ourselves. What door did I open? What did I do? Where did I sin? I need to repent. When the fact is, the enemy just hates you. The enemy doesn't want you free. Now, if you can go into blaming yourself, then not only is he tormenting you, but he's got you tormenting yourself. So when you get attacked, instead of taking on the responsibility for it, and if you go, "Uh uh-uh, shut up, not today. I bind you and I cast you where Jesus tells you to go. I'm not going to listen to you. And then with the Lord, say, Lord, if I have done something, I trust that you will show me and I repent for that. But, but if there isn't, it does, the, the enemy can attack you anytime. He doesn't need a door to be open for that. And that's where a lot of the misconceptions. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the enemy does not have any rules. Um, but we do have authority and sometimes the Lord will allow those things to happen because at what point do we start to step into our authority? We're either going to blame ourselves that we did something wrong, or we're going to be like, ah, shut up. You just fear me and you're trying to make me doubt myself, but I trust Jesus and you can shut up in Jesus name. Yeah, that's really good. I love what Graham Cook says. God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power. So, you know, he does because he wants us to step into our identity. He wants us to be those warriors that he created us to be and know who we are and how he sees us Yep. and, and get in alignment with that. Instead of, you know, the enemy would rather cut out his tongue than to say anything good to us, Absolutely. you know, anything, any truth. He's a father yep. of lies. And, and sometimes I get my clues from what he's telling me <laughs> because yep. I flip it around and say, aha. Exactly. <laughs> That's and, what you're afraid of. Yeah. And I've gone through seasons where it's this slow build and I'll go through some struggles, maybe some old mindsets will come back and belief systems. And then all of a sudden I'll have this wake up call. And I, cause I literally once had Jesus say to me, Jenna, why do you take on all responsibility when you go under attack? And I'm like, oh, I do. When the fact is, is that I don't know how many times that something huge was coming and I didn't know it, but everything under the sun came against it. And then when it breaks, I'm like, oh, no wonder I got my butt kicked, you know, (laughs) but, and then learning how to recognize it when it's happening instead of after, you know, that's good. That's really good. Jenna, I could learn so much from you. You are just so layered in wisdom. I mean, I know it's come from a lot. It doesn't come free. 
yeah. you know, it comes from going through a lot. And thank you, thank you for sharing um, with this community. And what I'd like to do sometime is have some sessions, you know, that this, you know how you have sessions, but maybe some sessions with the cap on it. I don't know how many people you, you bring in and, mm -hmm. um, and we'll get into those sessions, whether it's on spiritual gifts or something else. Yeah. Um, the same what you're doing, you know, just dedicated to this community as many yeah. as we can fit. And um, because I, I think what that. you, yeah, what, what you share is not something that you hear every day. You don't hear that kind of stuff, you know, the wisdom and what lies underneath. In other words, we always look at surface stuff or hear surface stuff, you know, but we don't really learn how to navigate. And truly it is those quivers that we have to just let the enemy have it. I mean, we're sick of the enemy trying to, to tear us down as women and men, trying to tear us down and tell us, telling us everything we're not and right. going through this life. And life is short as enough, you know, right. short enough as it is than to live a defeated life versus living a powerful life and how God sees us and walking yeah. that out and, and everything that comes our way, we yeah. step into our, our identity and we say, no, that's not who I am. This exactly. is who I am. Thank you for reminding me. This is who I am. Yep. You know, and yep. um, I'm a firm believer in, we've all heard the statements, stand on the promises of God, walk in your truth. But I, my passion is what does that look like in practical life? Because we do um, live real life and we have real pain and we have real traumas. And it's like, what does that look like today? Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the things I asked the Lord for a long time ago was that he would give me the verbiage and the articulation to break down what that looks like. Yeah. You have an anointing, like I told you earlier, to cause hunger, to want to see visions and to want to step into your God-given gifts to yeah. see how he created us and how we can um, penetrate the atmosphere around us and the people. And um I mean, it's, it's so useful in this life and every single day, not just on Sundays. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I've been, you know, I've been attacked with, you know, definitely people, you know, super, super hyper-religious or the people that don't believe in the gifts are healing anymore. And I'm, but my response is always the same. The Bible says, know them by their fruit. And it's mm -hmm. like, am I loving? Am I patient? Yeah. Am I kind? The supernatural is mm -hmm. the supernatural. But yeah. the relationship with Jesus is what's yeah. important. And it is impossible to be in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus and not be loving and kind and gentle and long-suffering and patient. And, um, and that's the word. That's scriptural. And it's like, but when you're in that intimacy the supernatural just unfolds on its own because that's who God is. That's what he did. That's what the Bible's all about, you know? And it's like, nowhere did it say that it stopped. And so know them by their fruit. Yeah, that's good. I, I just taught on uh, hearing the voice of God and I use the fruit of the spirit because that's how I know it's him. Mm -hmm. Yep. He is gentle. He is long suffering for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> Extra long with me. <laughs> oh, me too. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. If you could just pray for the I Believe community, we'll close it out with that. And, and thank you for, yep. for being our guest today. Oh, such an honor. It. Such an honor. And I just want to say too, if anybody wants to go and look up my stuff, um, there's a link tree in my Instagram, which is Jenna Winston 20. And there's a lot of links in there to get to stuff. Or you can go directly to my website, which is heartscaping.co. So I want to pray for you guys. Perfect. Jesus, I just want to release identity. Yes. The identity that you have given us. Lord, that every single person that is watching now or hears it now or later gets to step into the fullness of who you say they are. And Lord, we just declare an acceleration on breaking out of every lie that has ever come against them yes. and opposite of what you say they are. And Lord, I just, I declare newness, new, deep, intimate relationship with you, Lord, and the ability to just step into that be so accelerated. And we just ask, I just partner my spirit with heaven. And for each person listening, I just loose over you 
the oil of joy, the garment of praise, spirit of thanksgiving, favor, abundance, deep, deep levels of intimacy, knowing the Lord deeper than you've ever known him and liberty from all bondages. And Lord, that they would be able to fully receive that without second guessing and no buts. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes, of course.